So if we haven't met, my name is Andrew. My wife and I have the privilege of being on the pastoral team with Mark and Kara and just pointing everybody to Jesus, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, I have a lot of scripture today, so I will try to to go quickly. Um, worship ran a little long, but so it might be a long day. We'll see. <laughs> I would also normally say to open up your Bibles and give you a direction to go, but I'm kind of all over the place today, so just open your Bible. <laughs> but where I want to start today is by taking a look at Second uh, Corinthians 3.17. And in the ESV, it says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm sure that many of us are familiar with this passage, and if not this passage, one of the many songs that um, have been inspired by it. My personal fave is uh, Freedom by our friend Daryl Evans from the late 90s. It's an older song, but it's a great song. Um, he's got other scriptures that he, that he uses in that song as well, but it's a great song. Uh, it's a great scripture. But did you know that, like in the ESV that I just read from, most translations say something very similar to what I just read. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, some translations use the word liberty instead of freedom. But if you study the scripture, you would find that a better translation would be, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. This is how it's translated in the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 3.17 in the Passion Translation says, Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Guys, freedom isn't about where God is, but who God is to us. God's always with us, but we don't always walk in freedom, right? It's when the Spirit is Lord in our lives that we experience freedom. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, the word that's used for freedom, <clears throat> and I apologize if I completely botched this, but it's eleutheria, and it means this. It means liberty to do or omit things having no relationship to salvation, fancied liberty, or license to do as one pleases. In, in researching the scripture, I found that there are actually three different Greek words that are used and translated as freedom or liberty in the Bible. In addition to eleutheria, there's also eleutheraho and eleutheros. And it's important that we understand the difference between them, so bear with me here. Eleutheraho means to make free, to set at liberty from the dominion of sin. And eleutheros means <clears throat> freeborn, in a civil sense, one who is not a slave, of one who ceases to be a slave, free, exempt, unrestrained, not bound by an obligation, or in an ethical sense, free from the yoke of the Mosaic law. So are we free? By show of hands, who here likes to... Uh, be told what to do. Raise your hand if that's you. See, I just proved my point. I told you to do something and nobody did it. <laughs> as Americans, we live in the freest nation in the world. And we love our freedoms. As Mark was talking about with Memorial Day, we fought for our freedoms. People have died for our freedoms. 
And most of us don't like being told what to do. And often, we find ourselves grabbing a hold of that fancied liberty, the license to do as we please. When we think of freedom, that's what we think of. You can't tell me what to do. I'm an American. I can say what I want, go where I want, do what I want. Most of us have never experienced a lack of freedom in this sense. So when I asked, are we free, I'm sure most of you were kind and didn't spurt out, but were like, duh, of course we are. As Americans born in the last century and a half or so, we've always been free, right? We've never been enslaved. We've always been free to do as we want. Well, that's not entirely true, but we're also not the only ones to think that. Let's take a look at John 8, 31 through 36. In the NASB, it says this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Then they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, who knows that when the Lord says truly, truly, you better pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Like us, they say, we are Abraham's descendants. I'm an Abrahamian. I've never been enslaved. We're free. What are you talking about? How, how are you going to make us free? But this isn't the freedom that Jesus was talking about. It's not that fancied liberty or that license to do whatever we want to do. It's not limitation or restraint in a physical sense. It's spiritual. Before accepting Jesus, friends, we were, we were slaves to sin. I want to unpack that verse for a moment. And as I do, I'm going to call out which word, which Greek word for freedom is being used in each case. So again in John 8, 31 through 36. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That word is eleutheró, to make free, to set at liberty from the dominion of sin. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we'll become free? That's Aleutharos, freeborn, one who is not a slave or ceases to be a slave. Then Jesus answers them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son makes you free, Aleutharaho, set at liberty from the dominion of sin, then you will be free indeed, Eleutheros, freeborn, one who is not a slave or ceases to be one. These Jews were saying, we're not enslaved in the physical, but Jesus was saying, you were enslaved in your spirit. You were enslaved to sin. Friends, sin had power over us before we said yes to Jesus, and we obeyed it, which made it our master. We've not always been free. We've not always known the truth that is Jesus, but 
with him, he, he makes us free. He sets us free. The Greek word for slave in this passage is doulos. And it means a slave, a bondman, of servo condition, one who gives himself up to another's will, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. We've not always been free, and we've not always been saved. But once we accept Christ as our Lord, we become free. Sin no longer has any power over us. We are free, but we still have a choice to make. God gives us free will, right? Jesus didn't take that away from us. So it's about who we serve. Who is our master? Who or what do we serve? Romans 1.1 says this, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The word here for bondservant is the same word that was used in John 8, speaking about being a slave to sin. One who gives himself up to another's will, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. So who or what are we devoted to? The reality is we serve who we obey. Romans 6, 16 through 23 says this. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is of death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Right before service, I was talking to Vicki, and she had asked, what are you preaching on? And so we were chatting about it. And she was like, you know, it's amazing that sometimes people think or are afraid to say yes to Jesus because they feel like they're going to give up their freedom. That there's all these rules or things that we have to abide by, and, and there are. But in the reality, when we say yes to Jesus, we, that's when we gain our freedom. Now that we know the truth of Christ, we have a decision to make. We were once in bondage to sin, but once we're saved, we're no longer a slave to sin. Sin has no power over us. Jesus broke that off on the cross. He set us free, but we still have to choose. What will we obey? Who will we obey? Sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? Will we walk by the Spirit or by the flesh? 
Galatians 5.16, and then I'm going to jump down to 19 through 25, says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Skipping down to verse 19, it says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. Man, that's a lot of bad stuff. (laughs) Running out of breath here. And things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I like those lots better. They're easier to pronounce too. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So what does that look like? Well, let's take a look at each one. What's the result of walking in the flesh? Nothing good. Let's pop in on the Israelites in Exodus 16, 1 through 3. It says, Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, interesting, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after the departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. Wow. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Wow. What are they complaining about? Their comfort. They're not comfortable. They're not trusting God. So God says, okay, I'll give you some manna. It's bread from heaven. And he tells them only to gather what they need for that day. And they still don't trust God. And they keep extra, and it's foul by morning. Then God gives them the manna in the morning and meat in the evening. So their, their camp is filled with quail each evening and bread every morning, and yet they still grumble, and they don't trust God. He tells them to gather twice the manna on the sixth day and observe the Sabbath on the seventh. And did they do that? No, they didn't. And now they're thirsty too. You know, if you give a mouse a cookie. <clears throat> so Exodus 17, 1 through 3. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin according to the command of the Lord. Okay, they listened to something. And camped at Rephibadim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Man. 
as a parent, I look at this and I just think, what brats? <laughs> I can just see this interaction playing out in my head. You know, the kid's like, Dad, what's for dinner? And Dad says, well, son, Mom's making some fresh bread. And the kid's I don't want bread. I want steak and lobster and gummy bears and pixie sticks. And the dad's like, hold on there, son, hold on. First of all, steak and lobster, that's like a mommy and daddy date night dinner. And there's no way you're having nothing but candy for dinner. It's not happening. So the kid says, well, I'll just save my candy every time I get it, and then I can have gummy bears and pixie sticks for dinner, whatever I want, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't stop me. It's crazy, right? And that wasn't me as a kid. I'm just throwing that out there. It wasn't. It could have been, but it wasn't. But the reality, guys, is we all do this sometimes. Maybe not with all the theatrics and the stomping, but, you know, you get the idea. We want what we want. We want what makes us comfortable. But freedom isn't about our comfort or about what we want. It's about who we serve. Are we focused on what we want, what our flesh wants, or what the Lord wants? Are we trusting God, or are we questioning everything he tells us and everything he gives us? If you've read the scriptures, you know how this journey ends, right? They come to the edge of the land of Canaan, the land God promised, flowing with milk and honey, and yet again they refuse to trust God. They refused to take the land, and all but a few that were there at that time die in the wilderness. Bondage and death is what comes from walking in the flesh. Serving our comfort and our desires instead of God's, not trusting him. We don't want to go that route, friends. But what about walking in the spirit? What if we want true freedom? What if we make the spirit Lord? Let's take a look at Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are traveling together. We'll start in Acts 16, verse 6. It says, They passed through the Phagrian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. I know it was just a small chunk of scripture, but notice there's no grumbling here. They're following the Lord's guiding. Their journey eventually brings them into Philippi, which is in Macedonia. And there they free a slave girl of a spirit. And her masters call for them to be thrown in prison. Acts 16:22 through 33 says this. The crowd rose up together against them. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. In prison. It just wrecks me every time. Singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake. 
so that the foundation of the prison house was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And he feared what was going to happen if, if that happened on his watch. But, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, he, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house and took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all of his household. It's just an amazing story. In the midst of being in prison, they were free. Freer than any, anything that we could want to go do. Now I have a confession to make. When I, when I gave the definitions of the words earlier, I exercised a little bit of fancied liberty, and I left part of it out. Eleutheria, one of those meanings is, is this, true liberty is living not as we please, but as we should. Guys, walking by the Spirit is true freedom. Serving God is true freedom. That is the freedom that God was talking about. That's what he wants for us. In Thayer's Greek lexicon, the use of that word in 2 Corinthians 3.17 points to that last definition. It describes its use in that passage as freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires so that we do by the free impulse of the soul what the will of God requires. Freedom from sin. Freedom from corrupt desires. Freedom to live as we should, not as we please. Guys, Paul and Silas were beaten and physically imprisoned, and yet they were free. Their lives were submitted to the service of Christ. They had joy and were praising God while they were in shackles. When we walk by the Spirit, there's life. And as a result of their trusting God and praising Him, there was physical freedom too. Paul and Silas's chains were loosed, and not just theirs, but everyone in the prison. The jailer was saved. His family was saved. We shouldn't aspire to our own comfort. We need to trust and be guided by Jesus. The Israelites didn't, didn't trust God. And at the lack of comfort, they were disgruntled. They wanted to return to Egypt. They wanted to go back into slavery. But friends, we do that too. God sets us free from things and we turn back to it. We just have to trust God. There's times when hard things happen. And in the midst of that, it, it can be challenging, but we just have to know that God has our best. He knows the beginning from the end. He sees it all. When we walk by the Spirit, there's life and there's joy and there's freedom, even in the midst of physical bondage. Now look, I'm not saying that we can't ever be sad or frustrated or have feelings when hard things happen. God gave us emotions, and we can feel them. We just have to take care not to get stuck in the negative ones. I've been there. I found myself getting stuck on the negative, but 
after a while, and I'm sure it's at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but as that negativity comes out of my mouth, it just feels gross. It's just, it's yucky. And, and when the Holy Spirit points that out to me, I'm like, yeah, that's gross. And then my attitude shifts. It's okay to have fears and doubts. It's okay to get angry when something happens, but don't dwell on it. You have to have a positive attitude, an attitude of faith and trust in Jesus. And attitude's a big part of that. So how do we walk by the Spirit? How do we live in freedom? We trust Jesus. We have faith. We, we believe that he has our best interest at heart, even when we can't see what he's doing. We don't allow our circumstances to sway us. We keep a positive attitude. Chuck Swindoll pastors a church in Texas, and he's written a number of books, and he had this to say about attitude. He said, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, is more important than the past, the education, the money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. 10% what happens and 90% how we react to it. Guys, Paul and Silas could have easily had an attitude like the Israelites. They could have been like, really? We can't go where we want. We free a slave girl of a spirit. Then we get beaten and thrown in jail for it. But they didn't. They were more concerned about God's agenda than their own agenda. They were serving God and not their comfort. So what is attitude really? Attitude is our feeling about something or someone which translates into our actions. How we feel about something is determined by what we believe. So walking in the Spirit has a lot to do with what we believe. Do we believe that God is good? Do we trust his word? That he will turn all things to our good? Guys, there will be bad days. But when they come, we have to trust that God is good. We have to walk and respond by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Do we allow God to guide us? Guys, we can choose each day what attitude we will embrace. We can't determine what our day will throw at us, but we get to choose how we respond to it. There's lots of, of elements here, but I'm just going through a few points. So my second point is keeping every thought captive. Walking in the Spirit and, and in freedom is serving God and not our flesh. Our attitude impacts our actions, and our attitude is determined by, determined by what we believe and what we dwell upon. So we need to keep every thought captive. Our flesh and our enemy are at war with God. 
And while we are currently in our earthly bodies, we are in our flesh, but we're not to be guided by it and its desires. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The enemy will always try to get our focus off of God. Always. Off of God, off of his plans for our life. That's what he does. He'll put lies into our mind. He'll tempt us with sin. The enemy wants nothing more than for us to be back in bondage. But Jesus set us free. And we have authority over our thoughts. And we can keep them captive to the obedience of Christ. It matters what we think about and what we dwell upon. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We've got to shut down our fleshly thoughts and the lies that the enemy tries to feed us. Because God wants us to bring down strongholds. He wants us to walk with him in freedom. And he wants us to help those that are still in bondage become free. Point them to him. We walk by the Spirit by focusing our thoughts on the things of God. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Keep our, things on, our mind on the things above. An attitude of praise and trust in our God. Debbie, if you could come up. I've got one last thing, and then I'm going to wrap up here. Walking in the Spirit and living in freedom is about relationship with Jesus. It's about walking our lives out with him every day and including him in every aspect of our lives. It's not making room to fit Jesus in. It's Jesus at the center. Giving him room and acknowledging him, trusting him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Mark talked about this last week. The most liberating thing that you can say is, I don't know. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to know that our God is good. That he's trustworthy, that he loves us. We just have to choose him and trust him. How liberating when Paul and Silas were in prison to be able to say, look at their circumstances and say, we're just going to praise you, Jesus. We don't know why we're here. We don't know why we're bound up, but we trust you. That's liberating. 
We've all been set free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom available. But we still have to choose freedom. We have to choose to make Jesus Lord and not just Savior. It's not about where Jesus is, but who Jesus is. Who we allow him to be in our lives. Is he just Savior or is he Lord and Savior? I've been there too. When I was first saved, I said, Savior, sign me up. Tell me what to do. No dice. You can save me all you want, but I'm going to do my own thing. I've experienced this, friends. I've seen the freedom that comes from saying, Lord, you know better than I do. Your ways, not my ways. When we walk by the Spirit, when the Spirit is Lord, when Jesus is King in our lives, when we're obedient to righteousness, then we can be truly free. We can experience true freedom. We can live as we should and not as we please. That's the freedom that God wants for us, friends. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Let's not turn back to bondage, friends. Egypt's in the past. Let's not turn back. Let's embrace true freedom. Living as we should and not as we please. Living for Jesus and finding freedom from the bondage of sin. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for all of our freedoms, Lord. As Americans, we, we have lots of freedoms. But most importantly is the freedom that you provide. The freedom from the bondage of sin. The freedom to walk by your spirit. To not be in bondage despite our circumstances, despite what's going on around us, despite what's going on in our country or our world. We can walk in your freedom, Lord. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the price that you paid. Just like we paid a price as Americans for our freedoms, you paid a price on the cross for ours. And we just thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing, if everyone can just close their eyes one more time. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus and you recognize having heard his word that that you're not free, but you want to say yes to him, yes to his salvation, yes to him being Lord and Savior, yes to his freedom, and you've never done that, just raise your hand. I would love to pray with you after service. Just raise your hand and lock eyes with me. Is there anyone? Lord, we just thank you again for your goodness. We thank you again for your freedom. Just be with us as we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I'll leave us with this blessing. And then I'm going to go towel off because I'm dying up here. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an awesome rest of your day, friends.